anyone who's been a longtime listener of Cofield and Company, you will hear something like this declaration often. No one does this like us. I will stand by that. No one does hard knock season like Cofield and Company. We love this show. When you come in and try to dispute that, you get battered. I have a feeling in the middle of the show, Justin Watkins has not watched episode one oh. yet, and he's been bad-mouthing Hard Knocks off of last year because he had never watched before Adam Hill. But he is mistaken. Now, there may be years where there's some elements of Hard Knocks that stink. Like this year, uh, not showing the cuts on TV is a bitter disappointment for you because you generally are really into that. So I don't think they're going to have it. But we'll get to this in five minutes. I turned it on last night, and just the open with the Jets going back to Namath, and then Jets fans chanting for Aaron Rodgers, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll use we a bunch. I Well, I'll say we are relevant as long as that guy stays upright. And I haven't felt relevant in the NFL with my team in a while. So we'll get to it. I have a feeling there's a lot of people who hated Hard Knocks last night. Hated Aaron Rodgers. We'll get to the impression of Aaron Rodgers that uh, he gave off. Um, well, he's a smart guy, isn't he? He's a funny guy, man. He was, he was great. I'm very much the big protector of Aaron yeah. Rodgers. But we got to come out of the gates and mention a couple of baseball notes. Um, I cannot remember the last time that an announcer got embroiled in some sort of controversy, but all the fans had his back. You know, like, uh, who was the guy with uh, – was it one of the Kuipers with the A's who dropped an N-bomb during a broadcast? And, like, at that point, what are fans going to do? Yeah. You can't really back the guy. The guy's been around for 25 years. Like, what are you, what are you doing? But this guy, Kevin Brown – Basically did nothing. He said nothing. He stated malicious facts, and I use malicious sarcastically, to set up a storyline, which is the Orioles are good, and the Orioles can actually compete with teams like the Rays, and they have not been able to compete. And we went over this yesterday, and it really is outrageous. You've got a 70-43 and 43 team. The Orioles, in spite of their ownership, because the Angelos' dad and son are just horrific. Pete was terrible. Really mistreated his fans after the Orioles were pretty good when they first opened at Camden Yards, but he's just pocketed the money and given up, and he's just he's just been a louse. They have a 70 and 43 team. In game 113 of the season, the fans are chanting something negative towards the owner. How do you even accomplish that if you're the Angelos boys? By making a ridiculous decision regarding your broadcaster? I mean, it's it's baffling. To me, I I, I want to just be so angry about the story, but I also I still don't believe it. Right. There has to be more. Like he like he had he had to have he had to have sexually harassed somebody. He had to, there's there's oh, you something think a cover? Yes. Or or was he made to did he have a bunch of violations? He's made to sign a final near death notice. Hey, the next thing you do wrong, you're getting suspended. And then this happens. And they're like, well, I don't like it, so I'm going to suspend him. So we're going to cover up all the other stuff, but we're going to send him a message. It ha that has right? to something be. had to happen. It before. can't. It can't. By the way, possibly. it's terrible for you. Now you're alleging like the guy's a creep, and this is the cover up. For has to be horrific. Has to be. It can't. What, the the story as reported, and I'm not saying the report's false. Somebody in the organization leaked to the media that this is why he has been suspended. Which was, you know, for the you you reference it for oh, those really? that haven't heard. Okay. For those that haven't heard, the story is he opened the broadcast by saying, "Hey, 
the Orioles have never won a series against the Rays, a season series since 2017. They haven't won a series against them. That's what he said. Listen to that. Look at where they are now. That's what he said. Hoorah. There is no chance. Uh, If it is true, because then it was, okay, he's suspended. Why? And then somebody leaked out. He suspended for that open where he said they haven't been good in a while. It can't be the story. This has been a week of if you see someone in distress and at a disadvantage and being beaten up unfairly, you come to his aid. Whether it's the bash (laughs) at the beat, whatever DeMond called it, or the Birmingham brawl, uh, you come to their aid. And I am really proud of radio people, newspaper people, TV broadcasters who have seen this and they're like, this is outrageous. And there's a lot of fearlessness here because, uh, you know, the Major League Baseball jobs are not easy to get. But there's been multiple Major League Baseball announcers who come out uh, behind this guy. So last night, 100, game 113, they're about to go 70 and 43. It's an amazing season. And the crowd is not really paying attention to the game. They're chanting about their announcer who's been suspended. Fire this. And the chance of free Kevin Brown raining down the... Orioles television play-by-play announcer. I love this fan base standing behind their announcer. If you don't know the story, Kevin Brown made some extremely benign comments. Was not even critical, but somebody in upper management, many believe it is the owner, made a decision to take him off the air. Yeah, Hall of Fame announcer John Miller has crushed them. That's Brian Anderson on TBS. They have a deal with MLB. You think he got a call? Hey, you can't rip another owner. And I hope Brian Anderson's like, go after yourself. I can do whatever I want. What is being done here is wrong. I'm backing my brethren, Steve, uh, Steve Cohen, Gary Cohen. Steve Cohen's the owner. Gary Cohen, longtime Mets announcer, who's awesome. He had his back. Lots of other people has had his, have had this guy's back. Listen, you can't treat, because in the end, what this is, you can't treat paying customers who have shown up for 20 plus years to watch your crap product. You can't treat them like they're stupid. And that's what they're doing here. And, and boy, if anyone's got a PR issue, it's Major League Baseball with a bunch of their owners. And why does stuff like this happen? Because you got a guy who did he officially get extended or not? Bobby Manfred, who's the commish, will never stand up for the fans. He won't do it in Oakland. He will never go to an owner. I I want a public admonishment. Because the great thing is out here, uh, one of our buddies, uh, El Jefe, up on, uh, I don't know if you saw this tweet, up on Twitter last night was pointing out, we are still in Vegas in this stupid baseball package blackout where we're blacked out. How many teams? Seven, eight, or nine? Seven, I believe. And last night, I think all four West Coast games or West games involving West Coast teams were blacked out. Um, I think that you could see the A's, but think about it. We're getting, we're a major league baseball city now. I guess Manfred could be like, well, it's not official yet. Yeah. Um, why are we blacked out at all? There is such negativity here over the A's. How about you give us all the friggin' access to baseball possible? so that people can actually watch your game and kind of forget about the negativity, like stuff, you know, this stuff and the A stuff build your fan base in Vegas, but it's just, it's weird and bad and weak decision just upon bad decision by Bobby Manfred and certain owners.
yeah, I mean, that's that's what we've been watching and witnessing for a long time with baseball. Now, I I will say, until you said it's in, until it's official, like maybe they would lift it when it's official. I I don't know. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's just hope it doesn't become official. I mean, that's obviously I know still what you're rooting for. That's still the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to t- start taking steps assuming we are a major league market because I hope we are not. Yeah. But I mean, at some point, yeah, I think when it's finally voted, they probably will because obviously the A's would then you would hope. Because for those, I, I love, you know, people don't understand, and, and it's very difficult to understand, but people are like, what, are we supposed to go to the games? That's why they're blacking them out. No, they're blacking them out so that somebody locally broadcasts them. That's what they want to happen. And so hopefully, if it does become official, somebody would pick up the rights here in Vegas. That would then lift the blackout, uh, I believe, is what would ha- what would have to happen at that point. So that would so be it's nice. not even when they announce they're moving. It's when they have a TV deal forged. I would imagine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which might be like three years after they arrive. I don't know if we're going to be. Like 2041. Oh, no. But, yeah, that that's, I think, what it would take from, for this to happen. But they should, yes, they should do this out of just some some sort of olive branch. Yeah. Damon, you see the way this works in the broadcasting world? We all stick together. And when some jackass owner or boss is getting after a broadcaster, you back him up. Whether you like him or not. Because it could all come around to you. Sure. By the way, did we. Right, Damon? Huh. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Damon and I were both on our video capture. Power I just love people. when a crowd Free chants Kevin Brown. Free Kevin Brown. Free Kevin Brown. I mean, did uh, Damon, did you fire the Orioles broadcast? Because it sounded very clear on there, too. I, I remember. I was watching it. It sounded very clear when they were chanting that. Oh, wait, it didn't. Well, on the Orioles broadcast, <laughs> what I, I saw John Aurand, who was a SBJ yeah. guy. Said uh, on Masson, they turned down the the background noise, so that you couldn't hear the chant. <laughs> because I mean, that, how, that fixes right? It. How infantile that is calls this? more attention to it. By the way, if you're watching the broadcast, unless we we're telling you what they're saying, yeah. you're probably not understanding. What, you're just hearing like a chant. Yeah. What could the chant be? Yeah. Now, when you turn it down, everybody's like, "Wait, why'd they turn the sound down?" Now you start trying to find like that is that does no purpose whatsoever. But if, they did black out the sound essentially. If on, I thought it would have any effect on changing minds. We would line up every yes vote on this A stadium just to talk baseball on stories like this and go, this is what you're buying into. Why did you do this? Did you study this sport at all? Did you study the leadership under Bobby Manfred? Did you study not only the A's owner, but some of the other owners? This is a massive investment. Did you not know the product you were investing in? Is that too much to ask no. of our public servants? Is it too much to ask for the other broadcasters on the Orioles to not work last night? You know, that's a tough one. Because, I, I mean, I mentioned yesterday, if I were Kevin Brown, I would, you know, I'd love to have the opportunity to just go, you know what, I quit. Yeah. But baseball jobs are so hard to get. And I really do think someone else, another baseball organization, should step up and give him a job. And he might have a non-compete and can't work for a while, but he just goes, I quit. I'll announce my you know, future location down the road. And then all of a sudden he pops up with the Blue Jays. And, you know, maybe he's tied to Baltimore. He wants to live in Baltimore. But, you know, every, people have to – they're afraid for their livelihood. But to be bullied like this – and it, and like I said, it's not it's not just a single announcer. This is what a lot of baseball owners and sports owners do to their fans. This is the way they treat them. They don't care about them. Nope. <laughs> Essentially. Hey, they'll be back. Well, they, they haven't been. They haven't been. But there, there is a, a sense of – I know there's a lot of people, myself included, who, I mean, look, I don't really care who's on the game. Like, if that adds something nice, if they don't, right. fine, I don't really care. Right. This is a way to actually make, like, this is a way to get people to care because they hate you. 
Like, that's not the way you want to get people to care about who your broadcaster is. That's weird. That's weird. It's wild. Um, well, I got to tell you, last night, Hard Knocks on H. Mac, whatever it's called now. Max. Max. I mean, that was one of the best episodes I've ever seen. Stop. I Since the first Jet season? I mean, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Aaron Rodgers is so funny. God, he's such a down-to-earth guy. They have great personalities on this team. I mean, wow. That was fun, wasn't it? That was great. Please stop. What a great guy. What's your team? Aaron Rodgers. What a great guy. What a great I feel like guy. this might there might be a little yeah. a little green color. Did you watch Packers fans? Did you watch? Yeah. We got your guy. Didn't it suck? Boy, I bet you Jordan Love has a good personality. That'll go over well when he's got eight touchdowns and 24 interceptions. Or try to training, training camp where Jordan Love looks great. You didn't want him. Packers have another superstar. Every Packers fan I talked to, ah, oh, it was over. We didn't want him. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is this is going to be job of the bull all over again. Jerry Krause breaking up the bulls a little bit early because, well, he could just do it again. And Brian Gutekunst will go down as a guy in the history of football who basically forced Rodgers out of the organization for his last two seasons because he could do it with the next guy. They're they, they quarterback whispers. They can. They got Favre and they got Rodgers. They can do it again. Jordan loves the next guy. Yeah, Packers fans. Yeah. Well, it is. It is an all-time bet. Let's do it. But I mean, if it, if he's right, he's the smartest GM to ever live. Do you want to bet it? No. What is what is right? Well, if if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, yeah, or only plays one season, and Jordan loves good. Like that's that's a win. I I think even if he plays one season, and that was a season that the Packers potentially could have won a Super Bowl. Then they lose out. If Jordan Love is they just didn't flames make the out playoffs last year. Was it on Rodgers? I mean, he, he was there. They traded Devontae Adams. Are they any better this year than they were last year? They're, even they're, even they're around Rodgers. They're markable. They should be. They better be. They've freed up a lot of money. But that I mean that they're only able to do that because they got rid of Rodgers. I mean, they couldn't have done that. They couldn't have significantly improved if they kept him around. So I mean You can significantly improve on a budget. The Chiefs do it every year. Chiefs keep right. cutting guys. Let's see. Let's let's see the Chiefs dip this year to eight wins. Think it's going to right. happen? What I'm saying, but I'm that's because Mahomes. What I'm saying is Rodgers was there. And they didn't make the playoffs. Right. So that you know what helped if your quarterback actually if you communicated with him and he was cooperative and he only took thirty five million, which he seemed to do like that with the Jets. Wonder what happened there. Yeah. Well, and and for people out there who are like, we well, you can't kiss the ass of the quarterback. Yeah, you can in certain cases. Well, I also look. He that that was not a pay cut for the Jets. That was a pay cut middle finger to the Packers. Right. And they created the middle finger right. attitude. Sure, sure. All Maybe. they had to do is a couple of things. Coddle the guy a bit, just like the especially in an era where Roger sees another all time great getting coddled in Brady. I mean, the Bucks finally got kind of ridiculous. I mean, last year it's pretty clear that uh Bruce Arians was dumped because uh, at Brady's behest. Yeah. So that was probably the bad move. Arians is a better head coach. Yeah. But that that is now the standard for these big time quarterbacks, and they just wouldn't do it because just like Job of the Bull, Jerry Krause, Brian Gutekunst is the guy. So hey, you're you're the mastermind. Yeah, well, like I said, it, that's that's yeah. the bet that he made. So he better hope that Jordan Love plays for a while and is good, and that Aaron Rodgers does not win a Super Bowl. What a show! We'll get to uh, breaking down episode one this hour, and also in the five o'clock hour, we'll try to get you updated like minute by minute on what the hell's going on now with conference chaos. Yes, it's still going on. 
Who does the ACC have? Where are Stanford and Cal? What's going to happen with the Mountain West? Does it dissolve? Does it go to a 16 or 18 team conference? Today is crazy. Now back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. It's weird, isn't it, Damon? Real weird. I what feel like the Adam Hill vibe for Hard Knocks, a show that he loves, is just not there. I wonder if it's the team and the quarterback that's affecting his enthusiasm. What do you think? I think that is weird because I see a quarterback who loves being on the show. That's another thing. I, I see about, a quarterback who's directing and producing the show. How about the great. genius of Aaron Rodgers to go react looking kind of surly at the uh, Reno Tahoe golf tournament and everyone's like, he doesn't want to be on the show. What a jerk. And then the entire first episode, he's happy as a clam. Oh, baby. What a good guy. He, he, probably, he probably didn't know that he was going to have editorial control at that time. Don't be salty. <laughs> I mean, it's going to produce an unbelievable set of episodes. Could he have asked for a more favorable presentation of him if he did do it himself? Yes. No. Yes. No, he couldn't have. But DeMond's right. He loves the show. Does he have a producer's credit on here? He loves football. Loves you think he's approving Leif Schreiber. He we're gonna we're gonna get to Leo Schreiber in the five o'clock hour. Um I thought the celebrities that were out there, that was good. How about Method Man? That was a good speech. By the way, how old is he and how jacked up is he, Damon? Fifty. Fifty looks good. He's fifty? Yeah. Damn. By the way, I, I, I will that is one thing I hate as much as because I love the show so much. I hate that we see all this before. Right? Like we everybody saw the Method Man thing last week and you're like I didn't say it. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's the kind of where I'm like, do not show us anything from Jessica. Yeah, I don't, but we plus, don't want to see it. Plus, I don't watch trailers. It was on a trailer. It was, no, it was all over social media. I won't watch it. I don't watch spoilers. Yeah, was, I, I have intense discipline. It was everywhere on threads, man. You got to. I'm not on threads. And oh, I, 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 I actually, <laughs> most times, if, if I know, because I know, I, I don't want to see the show before the show. I want to see I it know. fresh. I know. I agree. Yep. I, then, I, you know, I was like, oh, Method Man's on here. Yeah, I already knew from last week, of course. It's rough. Mm. And then the other great storyline is the rehabilitation of a guy who just got blistered because the New Jersey and New York media are, it's filled with a bunch of pricks. Zach Wilson is going to go through a beautiful rehab here and come out the other end in two years. A guy who can play in the NFL. What a story, Damon! A comeback story. That's great. And I love that Aaron Rodgers is mentoring him. You see the way they, they were stretching in the grass and he's maybe like showing him a route or something. He's not doing that. He wasn't doing that with Jordan Love. How about of all the guys? Hold on. Let me tie up my sleeves. Okay. Oh, yeah. you know why I'm tying them up? Because I got them and Adam doesn't. Okay. How great was that? Look at that. Of, Look at that. Look at that. Of, nice and white. Don't ever have don't ever have those sleeves up. Of all the guys. Zach have, Wilson just muscling up for the Hall of Fame game. That was awesome. Of all the guys that have tried the no-look pass, who's the best? Oh, definitely Zach. Zach. Yes. Did it's you great. see it? It's great. It's great. Well, I mean. You would expect the other quarterback to be pretty good at it. Of course. As opposed to, yeah, I, of course. Was, was Garrett Wilson making a case for it? I tried. He just, he just looked exactly the opposite direction and tossed one to the side. I mean, all smart assery aside, th this is what the show has become. Yeah. And it is why I know if you want, you can slap me right across the mouth. 
it is why I do have to admit the show I love, Hard Knocks. It's taken a little hit the last couple of years because the teams have gotten more yeah. control. Yes, and frankly, too much control. Yeah, for sure. And to your to your point earlier, actually, the schedule, the schedule kind of screwed Hard Knocks. Like the the preseason schedule, the way it's set up now, which I mean, you mentioned the cuts. They don't have cut days anymore. They have one day. Yeah, and so like that that kind of changed a lot of how it goes. And like, you don't, it's this, you know, a lot of times there's this every week there's going to be cuts and you're like, Oh, who's going to be this week. And now it's like, well, they don't do it till the end. And we know who it all is kind of change it. Like a lot, a lot of the, the way that the NFL now has is structured in the preseason has changed the show, but certainly way too much editorial control, which was done. They already had editorial control in terms of like, Hey, you can't show anything that's going to, you know, be scouted or something that teams could find for the season. Now it's like, we need everything just ultra positive all the time or else we're just not going to do it. That has changed the show for sure. And I, I still love it. I, I, I'm still every week excited about it, but it has fundamentally well, changed. If the league didn't bow a knee to everyone else around the league and actually had the choice of the entire league instead of this stupid rule about it's non-playoff teams and no yeah. new coaches can be on there. It's like, it's so restrictive that the NFL has just bent over backwards and kind of given up. So even the putrid teams and the Jets aren't going to be putrid. They kind of lucked into one here because the Jets look like they have the upside to be a pretty decent team. But they have the NFL has no power now over the show. Yeah. The team does. Yeah, for sure. But I love it. I thought last night was of course, Well, I mean, yes, you're a Jets fan, of course. It makes oh sense. Uh, you're, you are. Sure. I'll tell you right now. You are screwed because I know you want to hate Rodgers. No. You don't like the way the show is done, but you no one loves Paul Hackett, check that. Nate Hackett, I'm never going to not make that mistake as a Nepo guy. I'm not. He is. Um, you love I'm Nate a, Hackett. A big Nate guy. Yep. Nate the person. O- one Mark of the Coates. only guys in the media who, aside from me as well. Rogers. Now. Yeah. Now. I love Nate Hackett. Rogers won. Adam and I fighting for number two. Well, you didn't love him until... No, yesterday. No, I didn't. I really, I really didn't. You finally. It worked oh, I didn't, but I didn't hate him there, as much. There, I, have... I defended him early last year, yeah. and I still think he got kind of a raw deal. And then Sean Payton going full arrogant jackass coach with his one Super Bowl. Uh, that brought me back to Nate Hackett's side. And man, he is, he's, I don't know. I actually, I'm going, I'm going to clip up hard knocks. And when I wake up in the morning, just watch a little bit of Nate Hackett each morning to let's get the day going. Come on, Nate. I thought you'd watch uh you'd watch the Eagle and Crow speech. That'd be what you do to get the um, get the day going. That wasn't bad. We didn't pull I, that. Yeah. We'll, we'll be using that tomorrow. Uh, I think. Look, the the rehab image of what they're trying to do with Hard Knocks has clearly worked on you. There's no, there's no doubt about it. This is a well, it, it's a huge PR move. What's the biggest thing it's worked on? Seriously, be, beyond Rogers, my mentality about the season, my yeah. mentality about the team. Yeah. Like I said last year, I did not want to hear much. Like, it's a reason for hope, but I did not really want to hear much about Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. It's like, the, the team blows. Now, they're getting better. But Sauce, was, and they he, actually, Sauce was amazing. No, they're both they're both yeah. really good. But when when you're in the doldrums all the time and you're not there yet, that's also why, I, you know, you, you kind of, you restrict your, you kind of pat, um, you know, tamp down your, your hope, right? So now there's a little more hope. Um, and I will also, I'll tell you, the other guy that um, I already liked him, but watching him, and watching how the players relate to him. Anyone out there who's trying to push this, like, Shallow's on the hot seat, really. Can you can we stop, please? Yes, I know expectations are high, but he took over an absolute tire fire with little tradition in the last five years. 
I will say there is a possible. I mean, look, if it doesn't work out, then he is. But but here's the other problem. Well, how is it not going to work out? It's going to be an injury devastation. Or yeah, if Aaron Rodgers ends up hating him, Ooh. Aaron Rodgers will put. He'll say, "I will come back if Hackett's the head coach." That could that could throw things into throw a wrench into things. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, coming up in two minutes, we qualify another person for the Lotus Summer of Fun, another trip giveaway. You are a qualifier in a couple of minutes, so uh, be ready. We're going to get to the update on Eric Bieniemy and Ron Rivera. That's coming up a little later on. Lots of conference chaos talk as well. Caleb Herring's up in about eight minutes on Hard Knocks and Rodgers and some UNLV football news as well. What do you think the Saints are going to do? Now that uh, Kamara is going to miss three games, it seems like they they want to be aggressive. Were they looking for something that was pennies on the dollar with Kareem Hunt or are all these running backs hitting all these spots? And then they're like, you know what? When the time is right, I'm going to get a good deal. I'm not desperate to go jump to the Saints. Well, so I'm, yeah, not even a deal, just more, what is your role? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you're, especially if you're going to sign a short-term contract, you want a big role so you can be, you know, you can have success and then try to get more next year, next year. Uh, so, I mean, if they were going to blow him, away, blow him away with an offer, fine. But I think you, you look at it and say, where is my ability to actually do something here when they have, you know, obviously they love Kendra Miller, uh, who will probably be the guy that fills in for Kamara the first three games. And then you've got Jamal Williams who's going to be probably a goal line guy, third down guy. Like where's my role here? So I think that was part of part of the thinking as well. Calling right now, 364-1100, caller 7. You're qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game, and then you get a chance at the uh, big boy prize, big girl prize, another one of our trips in the Lotus Summer of Fun. Oh, look at that. Eh, weird how it works out. Trip to New Orleans! Five-day trip to New Orleans. Who's putting together this rundown? Uh, you get to go see a show on a riverboat, an airboat swamp tour, plus $1,000 in spending money. A five-day trip to New Orleans is our trip this week that you're qualifying for, or you can just take $3,000 in cash. Take the trip or take the cash. Thanks to our friends at Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, G-O-E-T-T-L. It's hard to uh, hard to spell, but they're going to keep you cool. Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, thank you. 364-1100, load of summer of fun, a trip to New Orleans, and cash. Call or seven, you qualify right now with them on 364-1100. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. All right, more on Hard Knocks, more on Aaron Rodgers, more on quarterbacking. We really need to get the voice of someone who played the position, um, you know, who really knows about that kind of ego, uh, big egotistical guy. And, and one Caleb Herring up here with Adam Hill and Damon and Cofield. All right, let's jump right into it. Uh, obviously, I loved Hard Knocks as a Jets fan. Boy, oh boy, Aaron Rodgers, he loves this show, doesn't he? My goodness. I couldn't tell that he, that he was into it. I guess it's like, my goodness. I mean, I, there was so, circulation about before Hard Knocks selected a team that the Jets were like, no, we don't want it. We don't want it. it didn't, I didn't see any of that. I, I couldn't tell that they didn't want it around. Uh, 
the infamous coach's speech to start things off, the motivational speech, the eagle and the crow. I think this is much better than the dirty jeans uh, we got with the Lions. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers absolutely is embracing all of this attention from Hard Knocks. I, the opening scene of him walking out to the – I mean – it's just it's just what he lives for, and I think Jets fans are, are clamoring for it too. It's it's, it's going to be fun. I, will they deliver when they play? Who knows? But Hard Knocks has been already great so far for me, at least. Love it so much, but it is controlled by the team. It is controlled in this case by Rogers. Rogers made so he loves Hard Knocks. I could not believe how much he was fascinated with Liev Schreiber. Yeah. It was it was almost kind of creepy. I'm like, I like him too. By the way, make it more familiar, maybe not with the young guys, but make it more familiar to more of the teammates uh by saying, "Hey, he was Ray Donovan," which was kind of a big show because I don't think a lot a lot of people were like, "We don't even know who you're talking about." Right. And uh, the, the voice of God as the nickname was like that was that was hilarious. But then him coming to practice and Aaron Rodgers kind of being the only guy fanboying over him. Yeah. Just it just didn't do him service. Like everybody's like, okay, he's the voice of Hard Knocks. What else? Like, what else am I supposed to know from him? It's like, no, he's done other things. It's a big deal that he's a voice. One, I didn't know, and I'll be honest here, full transparency, I didn't know that he was a voice. Like, I you, I wouldn't have been able to pick it out beforehand. Like, if I just listened to it, but now that I know, it's like, oh, duh. But it's one of those things you don't think it's that important to know who that voice is. Like, the guy who does the voice for all the theatrical trailers that come on TV, I don't know who that is, but I recognize his voice. And that's kind of all that matters when we talk about Hard Knocks. I recognize when it's the Hard Knocks voice. But, yeah, give it some context if you want everybody to fanboy the same way you are. It's just the voice of God is one thing, but, hey, who is he outside of that? That would, that would I think, have been cool to, for Aaron to introduce. I mean, do your job, Aaron. Adam, I thought your guy, Nate Hackett, was very disrespectful to Leo Schreiber. You don't want to meet him? He seemed, I think he was nervous. Nor, Nor did Salah. He was nervous. Like, go meet him. And they're like, basically like, I don't know who he is. Yeah, why? Like, no one watches Ray Donovan? It's a great show. <laughs> no one's seen Scream? Good point. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. I think he was also in, uh, I might be mistaken about this, he's in X-Men Origins. I think he was like, yes, he's Wolverine's Wolverine brother. brother. He's Sabretooth. Is he Sabretooth in that? That's, I think, where the younger crowd would probably recognize him from. But give give him those credits before you just try to push people to go meet some, some voice. Like, it's just... I don't know. It, it, they could have done it better. I think the helicopter interest was pretty grand, but Aaron should have sold them a little bit better. You scared of fumbling? He's great. What, I mean, what an appearance. What an appearance <laughs> it was great. I, I'm scared if somebody looks at me too hard. I'm going to take this ball. I'm, no, I'm they might hit me. I, I'll I'm just put it down. Put it down. Yeah. It was great. It was great. It was great stuff for episode um, one. Good, good acting. Good acting. I'm going to say there was a moment where I fast-forwarded, and I never do that on oh, Hard Knocks. Oh, no. What was the most uncomfortable moment? Damon, you mentioned it in your notes, but I think you wanted to compliment the guy. What was the most uncomfortable moment of Hard Knocks? What, Zach Wilson talking about all his failure? Nope. The <laughs> national the na- the close. national anthem. Oh, that Demarcus Ware. Oh my god. That was uncomfortable. I I I And I don't I don't want to mock on him cuz re- he was really trying like it's not a Fergie thing. He didn't try to like change up the song. Right. Like, it was, he it just, was he just is not it's not the level it's a big stage. That, the national anthem before NFL game, preseason or not, but this is the Hall of Fame game. It's a big deal. It's the one preseason game that everybody's tuned in. It's it's the return of football. Um, I think it's more grand occasion than, uh, I, like you said, I don't want to disrespect him because it takes a lot of guts just to get up there and do that. Even if you can sing well, if you're like top-notch singer, that's a, a, a performance that not a lot of people have the, the guts to even attempt, but it was uncomfortable. I think... And even the overlay of Aaron Rodgers saying, is he really going to sing? Like, that even made it more uncomfortable because it brought more attention to it. <laughs> I think it's a pretty cool thing, but uh, 
I don't know if it should have been highlighted in Hard Knocks, which as as washed as it is. Yeah, um, expectations. There, I think there. I think expectations for the Jets need to be realistic. While if everyone stayed healthy, they can win a lot of games. They do have thirty-eight-year-old Dwayne Brown at left tackle and Becton, who is, I mean, just hurt all the time at right. So something to pump the brakes on. But I, I can't wait to watch the rest of the show. I think it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, let's talk a little UNLV football. So. They just went through five practices. Uh, media was out there. Caleb was out there for a couple over the weekend. And in standing next to you, uh, you kept raving about newcomers and young guys. And we've talked often in the past because, you know, UNLV's had so many coaching changes that, boy, coaching changes for the existing players on the team can be scary. Um, I think it's pretty clear that while this coaching staff took a shot on a few guys with upside who probably aren't going to play early, they were very strategic in bringing in certain dudes, and those guys are already in the twos, and that is uh, transfers from Power 5, from lower divisions, and freshmen. They are going to get a chance to play, and that means the guys who are holdovers, like motivation early in camp, like you want to get back to the two line or get on the one line, you better work your ass off. Yeah, and it, with with the coaching changes, obviously, that UNLV has gone through in, the, in recent years, and even to add to that, the – transfer portal in itself and how that's kind of exploded roster turnover is now like a primary focus on a lot of teams and everybody talks about it in terms of bringing in new guys and transfers and how you recruit that's always been important uh but i think this class and i think maybe for the first time it wasn't bringing in new guys to compete and guys that will potentially not even be relevant to the team as it goes on and i mean how many times did we mention uh, some of the key players for the Rebels last season were actually Sanchez recruits, guys that Sanchez brought into. And he was two coaching cycles ago, right? So th- that's just a way that, you know, yeah, people have transferred in and out, um, but how much of it has really been impactful? I think this fall camp, we've seen impact players that are new for the first time. And there's, they're on both sides of the ball. Obviously, they're going to be on special teams because Coach Odom really wants special teams to improve as a unit, which fans should be excited about. But the transfers that have come in, and the freshmen. It, it, this is not just a, a seniors that come in for their fifth year deal. Freshmen that are stepping on campus for the first time this year that we've never seen before. Um, D'Angelo Irvin comes to mind off the top of my head at receiver. He is a guy that's already in the rotation. He's getting reps. And it's, so it's not like he's coming in just to be a name on the roster that we have to get used to and then doesn't do anything. These guys are transferring in and they're going to make a big impact immediately. And there's a lot of them that are going to be in this this situation. Um, so it's going to be exciting for Rebel fans to get to know these guys and, and to see how they can contribute. And I think part of the reason that that's the case is the guys that they brought in weren't just four-star recruits or, 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 or prototypical size for the position. They're guys that fit their scheme very specifically, guys that fit at the slot receiver very specifically, guys that play the three-three-five linebacker very specifically so they can plug them in immediately to the system and they actually can produce. So that's why you're probably going to see a lot of the transfers or the new faces make an immediate impact. Caleb, when you're in camp as a player, because we've heard all the reports that this defense is going to be much improved this year, what's that balance between the defense is looking good in camp against the offense that they see these plays every day to it translating on the field? Or when do you know as players that, hey, what we're doing in practice is going to translate to wins on the field? There's always a fine balance, I think, as a coach. And when you're a quarterback, you kind of get you're privy to this because you're a coach on the field. You kind of understand what's happening because practices have to be scripted so that both teams can get what they're looking for. Um, And because of that, a lot of times defenses are going to be ahead of the curve and install for defense is a little bit easier. It doesn't require as much, I would say, chemistry. It's more chaos, controlled chaos on defense to have a good defense. 
Um, so defenses are always a little bit ahead. And there is a sense of familiarity. I've been victim of this. I've thrown some interceptions in camp because the cornerback knew the check. He knew my, my signal to the outside receiver, so he was able to get a, a head start on the route. That happens. It's going to be a thing. Um, but so you have to do a, a good balance as a coach of mixing in scripted portions of practice versus live, no coaches involved, kind of see it how it is and play it out. Um, and that helps the defense. But I think defenses always have an upper hand. Uh, and, you know, defensive coaches will probably say I'm, I'm just an offensive guy. But it's just the <laughs> truth. <laughs> Offenses are always behind the eight ball when, when it comes to practice. If the defense knows what you're going to do, that takes away so much from your offensive game planning. Um, so you just can't let it get to you. you got to push through. But because of that, when season starts, the offense, in theory, should be a lot sharper and a lot uh, tougher to contend with for the opponent's defense because they don't have that advantage. And here we are, you know, in fall camp going against the hardest defense that we'll have to face in more ways than one. I think the 3 through 5 is already complicated to understand in its own merit. And then you add to that, these guys know our plays. They know what our signals are. They kind of know what to expect on, on our coaching tendencies or whatnot. So the defense will always have a leg up in camp, but the offense will always be better for it at the end of the day. Caleb Herring is with us, former UNLV quarterback, uh, analyst on radio for the Rebels and one of the hosts of the Barry Odom Radio Show, which is debuting later this month, August 30th, every Wednesday, Barry Odom Radio Show at Parkway Tavern on Flamingo and 215. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of profiles and a lot of discussion, um, profiles on social media, uh, bites, um, interviews, but you know some of that will be on the air as well. Um, I sent out a quick video of a conversation that a few of us media members had with one of the newer running backs. Um, he's kind of the lone big back. Very interesting background of Donovan Lester, who is 6'2", 214 pounds, played at William & Mary, averaged seven yards a carry last year. His connect to come to UNLV is offensive coordinator Brendan Marion. Yeah, the connection, I think, is big because a lot of the incoming transfers are here because of those connections, right? And so that's no exception. Coming from William & Mary being recruited and the understanding from Coach Marion, um, and then wanting to now, as a graduate, um, finish off his playing career potentially in UNLV. That that relationship with the coach is, is huge there. Uh, but Lester is a, a, a beast on the field. He's the bigger bigger of the backs, but he might be the fastest in a straight line. I, I think we've seen it at practice in glimpses. When he does break into the open field, he's going to be hard to track down. He's going to be hard to catch once he gets going. Um, his running style is more downhill, I think, than... Uh, than some of the scat backs, I guess, if you want to call it that, the guys that have the agility, the side-to-side jump cuts, things like that. He's, he's getting to the hole in a hurry, um, and he has the body to punish guys if they try to <laughs> bring him down there. Um, but then he does have speed to, to make any play a big play. Um, but what's more interesting, I think, in, in the tidbits that you had the opportunity to question him about is, is the off-the-field stuff that is becoming now more and more important for the student-athletes here. Like with the NIL and the way that they're able to uh, use their image and likeness to kind of branch off into other ventures. He's, he's got two books that he's working on. He's trying to be an author. He's, he's trying to be a businessman. He's a motivational speaker. These things that we're getting to know about people, the talents that they have outside of just running with a helmet on, sort of the man beneath the helmet, if you will. Th- those things are really interesting about Lester's store because I think that adds a lot of value to him as a person. Um, and getting to know him as well as watching him potentially dominate on the field and what he could do as far as a playmaker for UNLV, that's just awesome. And I think we have the opportunity, we're privy to some of this stuff, to bring those stories to light like you did with that short snippet. And we'll get to know more. We'll get to follow that story more even post-graduation or post the season um, if things go according to his plan. But I think it's cool to see guys who are not just football players, who are bigger than the game um, and trying to impact the world in, in a much bigger way. That, that's a great story, and it's good to have it here at UNLV.
We uh, uncovered something very important. Um, quarterback Doug Brumfield now likes steak. <laughs> and he's not a phony steak liker. He knows how to do it right. We, we asked him. We thought he would stumble. We asked him how he likes to cook, and his answer without hesitation was medium. And I think that's, that's right. I, you, you, if you say you like your steak, but then you say you like it well done, you don't know what you're talking about. All respect, but you don't know what you're talking about. All so respect. Doug, he's a, he's, a, he's a steak guy officially. He said he made the steak himself once, and he knows what he's doing. He said cast iron skillet. I don't know if yeah. he knows all the rest of the details, if he knows how to baste the steak, if, how much butter he's throwing on that thing. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to quiz him on that as the season goes. Maybe have a poll on who makes the best steak at UNLV. We'll see, but Doug is officially part of the steak crew. Uh, I don't, real, I don't quick, real, real quick, because Adam would be the last guy to teach Doug Brumfield how to yeah. cook a steak. No, no idea. Uh, <laughs> Willie's recent video. Whoa. Um, Mark McMillan on this show would probably be the guy to, to show yeah, him how to do I it think so. on the skillet. What were you going to say? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a medium. Actually, growing up, I was a medium well guy. Uh, like, growing up, I'm saying, as like a gosh. teenager, I didn't know. Uh, I figured out medium is the way to go. I can't go any lower than that. I feel like you're eating it's raw at that point. What would you do? First of all, I didn't even know what this meant. I had to look it up. If you're at dinner with a big group of people and somebody orders their steak blue, I would probably I, get up and leave. I, I, I don't know what that what? means. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. What what's it's, what just happened? Blue? It's that's not a raw. That's not a temperature. That's a color. Like it, we, when we're talking about a cook, if you if you give me a blue steak, I'm gonna assume that was like a, a cow that was just recently suffocated and turned yeah. blue, and you put it on my plate. No, the, wait, the waiter's response, and this is very, by the way a very nice restaurant. He goes. We don't do that, sir. Oh, really? Like, almost, almost like angrily. Oh. Like we're not going to yes. do that. I'll tell you what. Yes. I, uh, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't do it. Uh, I was at a hibachi place the other day, and a lady across from me, you know, on the same hibachi show, um, asked for her. Uh, she got fillet, rare. Boy, he the the chef. It was like ninety seconds. I'm like, I really like medium rare and even too rare. I was like, whoa, that is take tartare. That's. But she ate it. She she freaking devoured the whole thing. The steak blue. I was scared. All right, we got about a minute left here, Caleb. Um, I mean, whatever you say today could be just completely invalid by next hour. Where's UNLV going to land? Where's UNLV Athletics? Where's the school going to land from a conference standpoint? Is there going to be a new Pac-12? Will the Pac-12 be folded into all of the Mountain West? San Diego State wants a Pac-12 um, to take on the Mountain West and the Mountain West to dissolve. Yeah, I think – I think only the Pac-12 can't survive this as the Pac-12. It will be a, a merger that maybe in name only has the Pac-12 moniker, uh, but it will be four teams at most from the Pac-12 that join some other conference, and that's the way I see this shaking out. Um, I don't think the Pac-12 can ever restore its former glory, uh, so it, it's going to have to kind of bite the big one here. You were late to the party, and now the party's moved on. That's just going to be the consequence. And the Mountain West, because of that, will probably benefit by adding a couple of teams from the Pac-12, maybe even SMU if they don't get snatched up by the Big 12. I don't know. Maybe I missed an update. Maybe they already snatched a up by the Big 12. A ACC. ACC yeah. now wants SMU. Well, see, there's, there's, there's so many moving parts, but we'll see. I think the Mountain West came out with a statement that they're solidifying as a unit. They're kind of reestablishing that they are committed to the Mountain West, but that, that may be the case. That the Mountain West stays strong and, and they absorb a couple of teams on the side to maybe bolster their strength to get to a different level than they were before. But I don't see the Pac-12 uh, returning to any semblance of its former self. Not without USC, Oregon, UCLA, Washington. You, you're not going to be able to do it with just the strength of Stanford and Cal alone. I don't see that happening. Caleb, good job, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good one.
Everyone, make sure you check out uh, at UNLV All Access Podcast. That's the uh, UNLV-related podcast that Caleb and I do each week. Uh, another episode was up as of a couple of days ago. Really hardcore breakdown of the first two days of practice again on Twitter at UNLV All Access Podcast.